Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's podcast. Before I jump into the news, I gotta say a huge shout out and a thank you to everybody that showed up to the Smoke Monster meetup at iFix Arcade last weekend. Uh, Chris, the owner of iFix, opened it up special just for this. Uh, We had a great turnout, a lot of fun, and it was a blast meeting Smoke Monster in person. Mike is exactly the way he is in his videos, just a very cool and laid back guy. Um, Hopefully he he had a good time there too, he seemed to. Uh, and a lot of awesome people showed up, and it was really great to be able to hang out. So I'd like to do more of those. A big thank you to everybody that showed. And a massive and huge thank you to John, the owner of Tasty Chicken in Bensonhurst, Brooklyn, for bringing a freaking feast for all of us. There was like a tray of vegetarian stuff. There was a, two things of chicken and ribs, and we ate like absolute kings there. It was amazing. So thank you so much for that. What a killer birthday. But... Um, so I guess let's just jump into the news, but hopefully we'll do more of those meetups soon and uh, we'll try to make it as epic as this last one. First up, I just posted the video I did at Dan's house, Citrus 3000 PSI, and I had a great time seeing the inside of his lab and all the tools and tips and tricks and things like that. Um, and I'm really digging these road trip episodes because while I absolutely love doing the Skype interviews and I'm not going to stop, um, it would always be better in person. I wish I was a billionaire with a private jet where I could just fly around the world and talk to all my new friends and new people that I meet. But, um, you know, the in-person ones do seem a little bit different because I get to really see the other side of the webcam. I know that sounds cheesy, but, uh, you know, I do like to see all of the different things and um, different methods or tricks that really make a difference. Because, like at Dan's, he showed me the microscope that he uses to do a lot of his mods. And while he'd spoke about that before, it wasn't until I saw it in person that I I realized how helpful and how good of a tool that could be for people that do a lot of really small soldering. So I want to try to keep doing as many of these as I can. Um, You know, hopefully it'll pick up and get a little bit more popular, but if not, I'll still finish off the last few that I had planned and, uh, you know, hopefully I could do these whenever I can because I just, I really love the thought of a laid back conversation with two people. No formal interview with a clipboard, no pressure, just two people hanging out, you know, you know, shooting the shit, showing your tools and labs and and, and just nerding out basically. So, um, you know, I'm really enjoying these. Hopefully uh, you guys are too. I see a lot of really awesome comments. So thank you very much. That's very cool. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll see, there's going to be at least three or four more, but hopefully there'll be a lot more. And speaking of Dan, he's got a few GC dual kits in stock right now. These are the internal GC video mods that allow you to get both HDMI output as well as RGB and component out of the SNES multi-out port that's in the back of the GameCube. He also has a few of the GC dual component pass-through dongles, and just for the record though, these are only meant to uh, to be used with his GC dual kits. So you could only plug them into the multi-out in the back of the GameCube with the GC dual. You can't use these on like a SNES or an N64 or anything. 
but this will allow people that want component video to just get one of these dongles, get a Wii component video cable, and now you have component out of your GameCube as well. Obviously, anybody that wants RGB, you could just use a SNES RGB cable. And then, of course, HDMI, he has the, the port for it. So anybody that was looking for a GC dual kit, as well as the component pass-through dongles, definitely check out his site. And I believe Matt from Video Game Perfection is going to be getting stock on some of these as well. So if you're in the UK, it might be easier to get him, or, or in Europe, it might be easier to get it from Matt than directly from Dan. But either way, you're, you know, you're supporting the same developer. So it's, uh, you know, if you're looking for one of these, go to either one of those places and pick them up. Nerdable just did a full podcast with Tommy Tallarico, the president of Intellivision. And I got to be honest, I haven't listened to it yet. It's an hour and a half long, and I'm terrified it's just an hour and a half of marketing garbage. Uh, I get the distinct impression in television's trying to jump on the Atari POS bandwagon. Um, so if, if anybody wants to watch it, <laughs> post in the comments and let me know. Uh, I'm really sorry. I think this is the first time in over two years of doing these that I've ever just come right out and said, I don't want to do this, but I have no interest in listening. Um, I hope I'm wrong. I hope the Atari VCS is the coolest new gadget on the planet. I hope Intellivision's new gadget is the coolest thing for retro gamers, but I think they're both going to be garbage, so hopefully I'm wrong. Replacement D-pads for the Crix Joys controller have been shipping. Um, I got mine in, and it seems to be perfect. I'm trying to get it lined up so you can see it evenly. But, um, you know, after switching from the old one to this one, I did feel a little bit of a difference, and I don't know if it was all in my head, I don't know if it's maybe just the way that I hold my thumb on the D-pad, which I've, I've had that happen before, I, I, you know, with the, um, uh, the AVS controller, it's the way I hold my hands, it's uncomfortable, so maybe it's personal preference, but the replacement D-pad did seem to make a difference. So uh, if you had one of the first revisions that were released, I would, uh, I would just ask if they send you a replacement D-pad, it takes a minute to install, it's very easy. Um, but other than that first shipment, all of the Crix controllers will have the correct D-pad. So yours should look pretty much exactly like this when you get it. Uh, and Crix also announced that he's going to be working on wireless controllers for other consoles. So hopefully he'll be paying attention to the consoles that are popular but don't have any wireless love yet. Uh, but we'll see. There's no other, uh, no other news other than he's working on stuff for other consoles. But I'll let everybody know when there's um, anything official or, of course, when a pre-order is available. It seems like any of the new Nintendo Switch consoles that have been shipping have the NVIDIA Tegra exploit patched, so you're not able to do that hardware exploit that you would before. There's still a few other exploits available, and of course, any of the previous revisions, uh, it's pretty much unpatchable. Uh, I think they're on the software side they can do certain things, but you're still going to be able to use the hardware exploit. So, uh, you know, it's kind of expected. I mean, Nintendo obviously doesn't want you loading, uh, you know, free software on your Switch when it's their main console. But, you know, uh, as a nerd, I do love jailbreaking, and I always love seeing what else people could do with it. So this was inevitable, but uh, if you're looking to do any kind of jailbreaking on a Switch, maybe try to find one of the older ones. And speaking of Switch jailbreaks, it looks like you could use a jailbroken iOS device to jailbreak your Switch. So I think what you have to do now is go to, a, go to a website and have it patched over the internet that way, but you could patch it through your iOS device using a, a special cable now. But either way, while I do love homebrew and love seeing what's coming of this, I would like a more robust solution, like the Wii or the newer 3DS hacks, where you just use it. 
and that's it. You don't have to worry about anything else. You don't have to worry about booting uh, into a special mode each time you want to use your homebrew. Uh, and I'm not sure if that's something that's going to happen in the near future, but I'm still keeping my fingers crossed for all the good nerd reasons, not for piracy. Greg Collins just posted a very cool 3D print design that allows you to slide your Switch games into a Game Boy case. So that way you could take your games, slide it into his 3D printed design, and keep them in a cartridge case for the Game Boy. Which, you know, it's cool. You could carry a bunch in one, you had protection, dust cover, but this is one of those things where I think the shot of nostalgia just makes it extra awesome. Uh, it's useful and nostalgic feeling for those of us that actually used to walk around with a Game Boy. Um, but they're available, as with all of his designs, right on Thingverse, completely for free for anybody that wants to download. But he's also selling them on his eBay store, which I think is really awesome. So hopefully he'll be able to get uh, a little bit of cash back, maybe enough to buy a couple more reams of uh, plastic for the 3D printer. Uh, but also those of us who don't have or have no space for a 3D printer can, um, can maybe pick up a couple of his designs. So as always, thanks very much to Greg. And uh, if you're looking to buy one, check out his eBay store. I saw something kind of funny on eBay that I wanted to share. It's a vertically oriented Sony emblem for people that have PVMs or BVMs that rotate them for vertical or Tate gaming. So if you have a crazy amount of OCD and you hate having to turn your head to see the Sony emblem, <laughs> you could have this right in your setup. So um, uh, the link is in the description. Uh, I think I'm going to get one for Scott's. Uh, he has an 8-inch PVM that's on its side. I just think it's hilarious. So uh, thanks to Sterling for passing that along. Justin from Console Kits just posted a cool video on how to replace the capacitors in your SNES, and more importantly, which ones to replace and tips and tricks on how to do that. So uh, while cap replacement isn't as big a deal with SNES consoles as you'll see in TurboGrafx, Game Gear, Genesis, and you know, a multitude of others, it's still something that, especially depending on the climate that the console is stored in, you might actually need to do sooner rather than later. So um, I think a lot, of, a lot of people that refurbish their SNES consoles do uh, an RGB bypass, they switch the, uh, that C11 capacitor, uh, and they swap out the caps and the voltage regulator, just because the, some of these things cost so little, especially caps, you know, uh, it's a few dollars for everything that you would need. If you're already going to open up the console and have everything there, you might as well just do it. So anybody interested, check out the video. Someone recently figured out a way to access the hidden NES emulator inside the GameCube game Animal Crossing. I've never played the game, but if I got the story right, inside the game are hidden mini-games, and if you stumble across through a certain number of events, you could stumble across a little NES icon with a game cartridge on top of it, and then you'll be able to play whatever that game is, such as Golf or Excitebike, I believe. Um, but this security researcher actually dug into the code and found that if you see a NES emblem with no game on it, you could access that if you've loaded NES ROMs on your memory cartridge and then have to name them a very specific thing, and I think you even have to inject something into the header. So this certainly wasn't a way that the developers had hid an emulator that everybody could access, but it is pretty neat that they were able to figure out a way that you could inject your own games and play them. So, uh, you know, while I certainly wouldn't recommend this as a way to play NES games, I really love the behind-the-scenes stuff like this and finding all the, or reading articles about people who find all of the amazing different things that are hidden that nobody knew about. So, uh, anybody interested, definitely check out the link in the description, and thanks to Vanessa for passing this one over. 
Kelsey Lewin just posted a video on the history of the Game Boy sewing machine, which I'll admit is something I was always really curious about. Um, I'm not really good at sewing, and I do it all by hand. I don't know how to use a sewing machine, but I just always thought it was a weird and neat thing that you'd be able to plug a Game Boy into it and try to use it that way. So if anybody was as weirdly curious about that as I was, definitely check out the video. I'll make this next one quick because I'm assuming everybody's already heard this, uh, but for the one person that hasn't, years ago a game was released called Aliens Colonial Marines that was absolutely terrible. Um, it was uh, broken pretty much from day one, and somebody just found out that one misspelling in an INI file might have been the cause of a lot of the, uh, specifically the AI trouble. So they misspelled the, world, the word tether, and if you actually go into that INI file and spell it correctly, the AI from the enemies will start to work a lot better. Um, so I'd seen that pretty much on every news publication, even non-tech, and even the picture I use is just a screenshot of Google News, because if you just type in Aliens Colonial Marines, you'll get a hundred articles that go in-depth. So uh, pick whichever your favorite online publication is if you want more details. Uh, I just thought it was worth talking about, because it's both heartbreaking and hilarious that one letter could ruin the AI for a whole section of a game. So, yeah, always check your work, I guess. Wololo.net has just posted a jailbreak guide for the PS Vita. I think I'm saying that right. Wololo? Add it to the list of stuff I can't say right. But um, it's for anybody that wants to hack PS Vitas on version 3.60 and a few others after it. Uh, I still don't own a Vita, but I know a lot of people really rely on it as a great console to play, as well as a good homebrew experience. So if you were looking to pick one up for hacking, definitely check out this guide. RGB32E has followed up his Jaguar AV board with a SNES one. And this thing looks cool. This is exactly the type of thing I was hoping for. Uh, it's basically just a board that plugs into your SNES multi-out port. Uh, it breaks out composite video, left-right audio, S-video, and then RGB is through a D-sub adapter. So this is just the perfect thing for somebody who's using like a Datapath card or uh, one of those um, Extron cross points, or really anybody that wants to try to use a VGA switch as a you know, RGB switch as well. So uh, while this isn't for everybody, I think anybody that's looking at this picture uh, who could use one of these is going nuts right now. So he said uh, he was planning on selling at least a few. He's definitely signed me up to buy one of them. But afterwards, he'll put the bomb and Gerbers on OSH Park so people will be able to make their own, which is an amazing donation. So thank you very much for the, uh, for the board. And uh, if you enjoy doing it, keep them coming because I know a lot of us would really, really benefit from something like this. Whether it's just to quickly hook up your consoles to do a stream or capture video, or for people that use alternative switch scenarios where they need or, or could really rely on something like using a VGA uh, D-sub connector as opposed to SCART. It looks like there's another SNES D-sub adapter being released, this one called the Sync Baby. And to be honest, I'm still a little bit confused as to what it does. So it, just like the other one, it plugs directly into the back of the AV port. Uh, in this one, it looks like the VGA port goes directly in, which makes me a little nervous because it would kind of anchor on the back of that console a little bit too much. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, but also, I'm not exactly sure at what it outputs because it has a sync stripper on there uh, and the developer's talking about RGB-HV but I'm not sure exactly what it does. I was a little confused. Um, maybe I'll reach out to the developer and ask more questions and maybe try to get one to test for next week. But 
I believe it outputs RGB HV, which would make sense because there's a bunch of cheap flat screen monitors that definitely accept RGB, but you need the separated sync. So uh, up till now, you would use something like the Xtron RXI devices in order to do that. Um, but if that's not the case, or if uh, the developer is willing to offer a second, a different way to do it would be to just have uh, a, a toggle switch and get C-Sync from the console itself. That way you could have C-Sync coming directly out and toggle between TTL or C-Sync. Because there are a few devices out there that will accept RGBS 15 kilohertz, but you need TTL level sync. So that in itself would be a big help as well. Um, but I'll try and reach out to the developer and see what they say. But the bottom line is, I'm very happy that there's more of these things coming out because I don't feel like one is a competitor to another. I just feel like these are niche products for people that are looking to solve a very specific thing. And uh, I guarantee you there's one person that's going to want this over the RGB32E board. There's somebody that's going to need both. Uh, so just keep them coming because I'd love to see all this new development for the SNES. And each one of the things like this that I've seen definitely has a use. Super G just dropped an interesting bit of info on the forums. He said he thinks the new version of the GSCART Switch Lite would be able to handle component video pass-through. So just a quick history and then an explanation to why you might want this. Um, the original GSCART Switch, if you just plugged something in the, the first port, it would automatically default to that if no other consoles were on. So you could just use that as a pass-through. So there were many people that had just one component video device and the rest RGB, uh, most notoriously the Wii, and they were looking for a way to add that in their existing setup because their RGB monitor would take it just by flicking a button. You know, the only hindrance was that you have this awesome switch that only does RGB. So by buying one of these adapters, you're able to pass through and there's no problem. Now on the GSCART Switch Lite, from the way it does its automatic detection, it always has to sync to a port. There is no just default port on it. Uh, so to use a pass-through adapter, you'd, I believe you'd either have to build a manual switch uh, or it would, have to kinda, it would have to have something on the sync line. So it's really not practical for your average user. But because the newest version that's uh, coming in a few months of the GSCART Switch Lite is projected to support sync on green, he's able to do the detections on the color lines, not the sync line, so that you could stick this in one of the ports and pump your component video solution through. So it was a long explanation for a small use case, but I guarantee everybody that has an RGB setup but just one component console is probably going to be jumping for joy on this because uh, I'm obviously a huge fan of the GSCART switch. It's passed every test I've thrown at it, which is the reason, obviously, that I'm a big fan of it. So to be able to route through a component source using a dongle like this, I think would be awesome. And uh, just another thing to add to the feature list. So thanks to Super G for keeping up development on this and uh, always throwing new stuff at it. Um, and as soon as I get one in, I'll be able to test it and show everybody how it works. Someone just released the 3D print design for a dummy PC Engine card, which I thought was a pretty neat idea. Basically, it's for people that want to use like the SSD S3 or for people that have the CD-ROM drives in and they don't want to leave their cartridge port exposed. You could just print this out, print out a cool little sticker and leave it in. And that acts both as like a, a cool aesthetic thing and as dust protection. Uh, my only two cents on it is to make sure that it's not too thick because you don't want to put too much pressure on the pins when they're not in use. But other than that, it's pretty neat and it's up on Thingverse for anybody with a 3D printer that wants to give it a try. 
Someone just started a GitHub page showing them tearing down and trying to reverse engineer parts of the Retron 77, which is the Atari 2600 clone console from Hyperkin that runs off of Stella, a software emulator. I believe their teardown is meant to do things like load different versions of Stella, as well as I'm sure load ROMs and just do all the overall jailbreaking things. Uh, the re reviews on the Retron 77 have been mixed so far, and there's some compatibility issues with uh, people going as far as to starting a Google Doc that actually shows which games are compatible and which aren't. So, uh, you know, I'm not really sure how I feel about it. I'll get around to trying it at some point, but I just figured it was worth mentioning both for anybody that was interested in hacking the Retron 77 or just for nerds like me that like hearing about this stuff. Red Guy just posted a progress update for his SA1 chip support for the SD to SNES. He said that he has it working in a pre-beta capacity at the moment, and he's pretty sure everything will fit in the FPGA without any issues. Uh, but it, MSU1 plus SA1, so the audio hack plus SA1, are still kind of up in the air. Uh, and in its current state, Super Mario RPG has been played through to the end, uh, Kirby Superstar, uh, Mario Legacy, and a few other games are playable. There are some Super Mario World hacks that seem to be working on it, which I'm very excited about. Um, and most other games boot but have limited testing. He said a small hat set of hacks and games don't work at all, and all the games have bugs. Uh, so he's still, it's still very much a work in progress. He said there's no word on the beta or public release, but I'll keep everybody updated when there is. Uh, and just before I go any further, a massive and huge thank you to Red Guy for all of this. Um, you know, he does all this insane work and donates it all to the community, so that is absolutely freaking awesome. Um, I will keep anybody updated. Uh, I will let everybody know also when the beta is available for public use, and I personally can't wait to try some of the Super Mario World hacks, because some of them add minor upgrades, some add some pretty crazy upgrades, but I just think it would be a very cool way to rediscover a game that I've played a bunch of times. But either way, thanks again to Red Guy, and uh, please keep up the good work. The Guardian just posted an article about the making of Street Fighter the movie with Jean-Claude Van Damme, and it was really interesting. It, uh, it sucked me in a lot more than I thought it would, and uh, it told some crazy stories about what happened on set and the usual movie drama type of stuff, but I don't want to spoil anything. If anybody's interested in that, click on the link and, uh, and check it out. And lastly, an update from the Flashmaster team. The Wonderswan USB cart should be back in stock sometime next week. Um, they have a chunk of them that they're going to make, but I think they're going to be making them in small batches. So sign up for the mailing list if, you're want to, if you want to be notified as soon as they're available. And also some of the Neo Flash MasterCarts are available right now for sale. So if anybody was interested in either, either of those, check out the link in the description. And uh, I think the WonderSwan ones will be ready starting next week. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you so much to all the Patreons that support this channel, because I couldn't make any of these videos without you. Uh, thanks to everybody that helps out and participates, and of course, once again, thank you to everybody for showing up last Sunday. I had an abs absolute blast uh, meeting Smoke Monster and seeing some friends all hanging out at the same place together. So I uh, hope to do more of those in the future, and uh, see you guys next time.